titled Die to Self. And uh, thank you for the songs you picked for this week, Darcy, because the last one, I Surrender, was just perfect, actually. Thank you. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit moves, eh? Speaks to all of us. Yeah. Um, you know, the more that I get to know God better and the older and hopefully the wiser I get, the more I realize that his way of thinking is really different to mine. And despite the fact that I, as I get older, as a Christian as well, I am maturing as a Christian too, and God, you know, has, my character should be becoming a bit more like his. It, it won't be perfected until I'm in heaven. Uh, but, um, but step by step, right? But God's ways are higher than our ways, and there's a scripture in Isaiah 55, um, verses 8 to 9, that says that. So from the message translation, God declares, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. Oh. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. Yeah. And we've been made in God's image, in his likeness. We definitely are. But we can easily get bogged down in the circumstances of our natural world, eh? But God is amazing. And often he does things in a way that don't seem, or that don't fit the way we do things in the world because it's often the opposite of what we think might happen, right? But uh, as... What I've been noticing lately, and it's, I've noticed it for a long time, but especially lately I've been noticing that God is frequently highlighting mindsets that I might have that might need to be changed or altered. And that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing because it gives me an, he gives me an opportunity to correct that. And once that's sorted, then he can move on to another one which is good because that means I'm slowly getting tweaked and molded, which is great. And he does that because he loves us. There's a scripture that says in Proverbs, oh, where is it actually? Yeah, Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 in the Amplified Bible says, My son, do not reject or take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Learn from your mistakes and the testing that comes from his correction through discipline. And don't despise his rebuke for those whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. You know, sometimes we lack wisdom. Eh? I do, sometimes. Do you, any of you? No, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I do lack wisdom sometimes. Uh, and I know that, in, you know, I, I'm very careful now who I take advice from. And, uh, but sometimes in the past, I've taken advice from people that haven't given me wise counsel. And sometimes it's our, our own stubbornness as well, um, or our own like, being determined to do what we want. But what, that works against us. And, uh, and that's why God corrects us, because he loves us. Just as if you have a child and, you, and they're misbehaving, or doing something that's dangerous, you're going to correct them, aren't you? Because you, don't, because you love them and you don't want them to keep doing that because it will ultimately harm them in the end. And so 
You know, God loves us so much that he wants to correct us. And having said that, God never ever forces us to change or make corrections in our life. He just prompts us to. And that's because he's given us free will. It's related to the seed plant and harvest. Um, You know, God shows us an area that needs correction and then we choose if we're going to actually heed or accept that correction. And God, I I really um, love God because he, he is a wonderful God who never forces us to change. It's amazing, really, isn't it? He must get... I don't... He probably doesn't, but I, if I was God, I'd get frustrated <laughs> because I'd be watching people not listening and I'd be thinking, man, if you just did that, it would be so much easier for you. Uh, But if we choose to accept his correction, it leads to a harvest of blessing. But if we choose to reject it, God's not going to force us, but it can lead to a bad harvest. And so what's that got to do with dying to self? If we've accepted God's gift of salvation through Jesus, our spirit has been reborn. I talked about that at Easter. Our soul, our mind, our will and our emotions and our physical body, though, remain the same. And so God is, his intention is that from that point on, we die to self, die to self continuously um, by renewing our mind. And so dying to self means, it means to set aside all things which are connected to self and choosing God instead. It means setting aside our uh, wants, our desires and our cravings. It means dying to our desire to be in control. Yeah, some people struggle that more than others, but you know, I, I know that uh, it's good. It, it, sometimes it's a comfort zone when you feel like you're in control, but it's not always a good thing. Sometimes we need to give that control over to God. Eh? That's what dying to self is. It's, it's, set, it's setting aside self centeredness. It means dying to your kingship over your life as well. It means dying to your own pursuits and taking up the cause of another. And that another is Jesus. Yeah. Luke 9, 23 to 24 says, uh, Jesus actually said this, if any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. So this is, this is the opposite of what the world says, isn't it? You must take up your cross every day and follow me. If you want to save your life, you will destroy it. But if you give up your life for me, you will save it. I remember when I was younger, I used to read that scripture and not understand what it meant at all. I I used to think, what does that mean? Um, That if I want to save my life, I'll destroy it. God's way of doing things are better than our way of doing things. You know, Jesus was saying that we need to surrender our own wants and desires to him. He was also saying that if we choose to reject his call to die to self, that that leads to a destructive bit of a destructive force in our life because of the seed, plant and harvest laws that are set in place. Galatians 2.20 says, I have died, but Christ lives in me. 
And now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Paul wrote that um, scripture. And he was saying that his old sinful ways and lifestyle that he once lived for himself had, had been put to death. In other words, crucified. Because it says that in the, I think the New King James says, um, I've been crucified with Christ. So dying to self doesn't happen automatically. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, Dear friends, God is good, so I beg you to offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible way to serve God. And in the Amplified Bible, it says it's our act of worship to God. So don't be like the people of this world, it says, but let God change the way you think. So dying to self starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. And it says in that scripture, then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. And in the New King James Version, verse 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's the same thing. It's about God letting God change the way you think. So I, I'm noticing that, uh, it's, that anything that's not pleasing to God, in other words, sin, begins in the mind. It's our mindset that's the starting point for sin. For example, I'll give you a few examples of this. It's our mindset that tells us that it's okay to lie sometimes. Hey, we think, oh, it's okay. that's all right, it's no problem. Um, it's our mindset that tells us it's okay to be jealous. It's our mindset that tells us that it's okay to, to live with someone we're not married to, as if we were married. It's our mindset that says it's fine to steal from people. You know, oh, they've got enough. That's fine. It doesn't matter if I take that. But it is... Sin. Sin is sin. And I just want to say here too, though, that there aren't big sins and little sins. Sin is sin to God. And an example I remember being told when I was a lot younger, when I was a teenager actually, I was at a camp meeting at El Rancho. There was a man who was speaking and he was talking about sin and how there was no big sin and little sin because they, well, they all end up in the same place. <laughs> he was talking about a pebble versus a boulder and he was talking about throwing it into the lake. The pebble, maybe a tiny little sin, maybe. What we might think is a tiny little sin. Throw it in the lake, it ends up at the bottom. And then maybe a, a giant big sin, which we might think is a giant big sin, might be a huge boulder. But again, if that goes into the lake, where does it end up? At the bottom. <laughs> so in God's eyes, sin is sin. So what's the harvest if we choose not to die to self and surrender to him? Galatians 5, 16 to 21 says, I advise you, I won't read the entire thing, but I'll read a fair bit of it. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. This is from the Living Bible. He will tell you where to go and what to do, and then you won't always be doing the wrong things your, your evil nature wants you to. For we naturally love to do evil things that are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. That's just a natural um, inclination, isn't it? 
And, and the good things we want to do when the Spirit has his way with us are just the opposite of our natural desires. And so these two forces are within us constantly fighting each other to win control. So, uh, so it's something that we, we need to deal with all the time. So when we're guided by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's helpful because he will prompt us. Verse 19 says, But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. So this is talking about seed, plant, and harvest. So they are things like this, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism. Um, sometimes that's called sorcery in other, other translations. Hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself. So that's, that's referring to when you're treading on other people to get what you want. Um, what else does it? Complaints and criticisms. The feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your little group. That's talking about heresy, um, wrong doctrine. Envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. And then it says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So why won't they inherit the kingdom of God? It's because living that sort of life is actually sowing the wrong seed. And so they will reap the wrong harvest. It's just a seed plant and harvest thing. But if we do choose to die to self, Galatians 5.22 to 25 says, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, in other words, if when we surrender to him, when we die to our own desires and wants and let him be in control, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience. I'm sure you know them, the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness. Some of you might not, though. There, this is a good scripture to learn, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So those, those nine fruit are the things that, we, that should be growing in our lives as the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's like a harvest. It's a harvest. And it says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to his cross and crucified them there. That's good, eh? Right, okay. So um, just referring back to, I, I gave a, mess, a series of messages last year on, um, what was it on? Seven Mountains. And uh, there was a scripture that I used a lot in those, that series, Matthew 6.10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's talking about the kingdom of God. And so, you know, God's will is that the kingdom of heaven be... <laughs> we'll wait till the bell stop, stop dinging. <laughs> it did sounded like we were at church, didn't it? <laughs> Um, so, you know, God's kingdom in heaven can be on earth too. You know, that's what God wants. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in heaven, things are pure, things are good, everyone's selfless, full of joy. It's a place of love and goodness. Um, and there's great relationships, beautiful place full of fun. Um, everything is in abundance, and we can worship God freely there. 
Isn't that cool? So if we die to self and surrender to him, we will experience those things um, like we've never experienced before. But in this lifetime, there's no reason why we have to wait until we get to heaven for that. Now, God knows our innermost thoughts and motives. Um, The biggest battle we're ever going to face is in the mind. Uh, But God knows the innermost thoughts of our heart, and so... Um, and he knows our motives as well. And so that might be a good or a bad thing. <laughs> the, the good thing is that God understands you better than even your partner, like your husband or wife. He knows you better than your mother or your father. He knows you better than any other human being because he's known you ever since before you were born. He, he's no, he, he created you, and so he knows the innermost thoughts of your heart and your motives. In fact, he even knows what you're going to say before you say it, which is amazing, isn't it? Proverbs 21.2 says, Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and examines the hearts of people and their motives. And uh, Psalm 139.1-4 says, O Lord, you've searched me thoroughly and have known me, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, my entire life, everything I do. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, still unspoken, Lord, you know it all. That's amazing. But, you know, about dying to self, I'll I'll explain what I'm getting to here shortly. Jeremiah 17.10 says, Only the Lord knows. He searches all hearts and examines deepest motives. Why? So he can give to each person his right reward according to his deeds, how he has lived. So uh, it's about seed plant and harvest. But, you know, despite what we do, Even if we think it's really bad, God loves us without any conditions. And some people find that really difficult to understand. But I want to give you an example out of the Bible uh, in 2 Samuel 11 about King David. So one night, King David went to bed. And I think he must have woken up, couldn't sleep. And he thought, I'm just going to go for a walk out on the roof of my house, and so he climbed up and was walking around on the roof, and there, from there, he observed a very beautiful woman bathing, Um, and her name was Bathsheba, which he didn't know at the time, but he he found out that her name, he, he, he liked what he saw, and he inquired about her. And he also found out that she was the wife of a man named Uriah, who was one of his soldiers, one of King David's soldiers. So she was already married. But do you know what? That didn't actually stop him from bringing her to him and sleeping with her. And afterwards, Bathsheba found out she was pregnant. So David, trying to cover up his tracks called Uriah in from battle and gave him an opportunity to spend a night with Bathsheba. He was thinking, okay, how am I going to cover this up? I'll just give him a night at home with his wife and everything will be sweet. My guilt won't be found out. My, my, what I've done won't be found out. 
But Uriah was an upright man and he didn't think it was right to sleep with his wife when all the rest of the soldiers were camped out in the battlefield. And so he didn't, he didn't go to see his wife. So do you know what King David did then? He did something even worse. He purposely sent Uriah into battle on the front line so he'd die. And he did die. 2 Samuel 11.27 says, the, king, uh, sorry, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Displeased him. And, and note there too, it's Lord with capitals as well. So that's Yahweh, the system of government, the system of seed, plant and harvest. So in other words, David had sown bad seed, which left unchecked would lead to a really bad harvest. And I, 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 there's definitely a place for repentance. Um, but sometimes when we set the wheels in motion with seed we sow, there can still be there are still sometimes consequences for our actions, and uh, one of the ac the action well one of the actions that occurred or the consequences of his what he had done was that child was born but didn't live it died. Um, now I just want to read something from you in one in two Samuel twelve the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to confront King David about what he'd done. And I'm going to read the first I'm going to read the first 9 verses. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveller came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So that's what Nathan the prophet said. Then David thought that was very unfair and he got very angry about it. In verse 5 he, it says, David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this thing shall surely die and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if, I had, and if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, 
It would have taken some courage for Nathan the prophet to say that to the king, wouldn't it? But what did David do? Did he deny it? No. Did he try to put the blame on someone else? No. Did he take offence to Nathan the prophet? No. He admitted his sin and he repented and surrendered to God. And, uh, and I want you to turn to page, oh, sorry, Psalm 51 because that is a recording of the prayer of repentance that David um, prayed. And he was genuinely remorseful. So he, he, he was saying, oh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt and cleanse me from my sin. That sounds like a man who's genuinely sorry. And then a little bit further down in verse 10, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right and steadfast spirit within me. In verse 14 to 17, he says, Rescue me, Lord, from blood guiltiness. He knew he'd done wrong. He'd caused Uriah to be killed. And, and the blood was on his hands. But he said, Rescue me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will sing joyfully of your righteousness and your justice. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise, for you do not delight in sacrifice, or else I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin, thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. He was probably crying as he prayed this prayer because he was genuinely sorry about what had happened. So dying to self and surrendering to God doesn't mean you'll never make mistakes. He made some big mistakes. But what it does mean is that you love God so much that you're genuinely sorry when you do something wrong. It means, you know, to, to, to repent means to change your mind, your attitude, your pur or purpose. It's, it's heartfelt remorse for the sin as well as, and this is important, it's a firm determination to change the behavior that led to the sin. So God's given you the freedom to choose. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, in the New Living Translation says, um, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing, between curses and blessings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And then God says, Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You know, God knows the right way to choose but he's not going to make you do it. He's given us the choice and we get to choose it. So what will you choose? I'd like to challenge you to reflect on 
your own life? Has God shown you something in your life that needs to change? Has he revealed a mindset that is preventing you from totally surrendering to God? Have you felt the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit to die to self? Um, because I'd suggest don't, don't um, push down the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because what can happen is that if you keep doing that, it sears your conscience. And um, I don't know if you know what that means, but it means it, it kind of takes the feeling out of it. And it's, a, it's not a good... So that your heart is no longer soft. And you can't, you can't um, hear that anymore. So I just want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to have prayer now. And if, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you know, God's given you the choice. You can choose to accept the gift that Jesus um, gave, and that is his life. He died on the cross for you so that you wouldn't have to die. He, he did the ultimate sacrifice. He, he gave his entire life because he was sinless. It was a good enough sacrifice to cover the sin of all mankind from that moment forward. It's amazing, really, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. But God loves us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that anyone would believe on him, wouldn't perish, but would have, a, have eternal life. So it's a free gift. It's a free gift. But we need to accept it. And then God says, you know, from that moment forward, start renewing your mind because it's the mindsets that can hold us back. So I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you, Lord. I don't know if we can maybe have the band come up. I don't know if there's everyone here or not, but just, just, I just wanted to play um, that surrender song, just not for ages, but just for a little bit, and I just want to see if anyone wants to come up for prayer. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, God, that we... Lord, I choose to die to self, Lord. I choose to surrender to you. I pray, Lord, that you would show me um, areas in my life that I need to change. And I pray, Father, that you would do the same for these people here, Father. Bless them, Lord. They're, they're here because they, they want to be here. They're here because they love you. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're showing us things that, that need to change, Lord. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up and have some prayer if you want. If anything that I've 